Hey everybody, thank you for joining me. Thanks for waiting. Hope you're having a good weekend. So the big news of this week was the fact that uh, they caught the leaker. They arrested this young member of the military, 21 years old, for allegedly leaking all of the the secrets on the Ukraine proxy war, uh, which appeared online. And uh, what was remarkable about this whole episode was how the media, which is supposed to, you know, welcome leaks of government secrets, especially that are in the public interest, as was undoubtedly the case here, the media was celebrating the capture of this young man and even participated in identifying him. And that's what the Washington Post uh, and the New York Times did in pouring over these Discord server chats and social media to try to find who the leaker was. And lo and behold, right after they identified him, he was arrested. And to collaborate uh, in this process, New York Times even enlisted Bellingcat, without disclosing that Bellingcat, um, contrary to its claims that it's some sort of open source investigative site, it's funded by several NATO states. Uh, The U.S. funded Bellingcat uh, through the National Endowment for Democracy, which is a Western intelligence front. And when that got too embarrassing for Bellingcat, all they did was switch it over to uh, funding from contractors that make money off the U.S. government's uh, foreign policy, like Adam Smith International. So after the NED, uh, after it was too embarrassing for Bellingcat to be funded by the NED, uh, they got Adam Smith International, uh, which also works with the NED, to fund Bellingcat. That's pretty much how they did it. Uh, And of course, when the New York Times collaborates with Bellingcat to find a leaker, They don't disclose that they're collaborating with a state-funded outlet. Um, And this is not the first time, by the way, that the Times did that. The Times also collaborated with Bellingcat back when they tried to prove that Syria dropped a chemical weapon on the town of Douma in April 2018. And they tried to prove that by um, doing this, like, animated simulation of the apartment building where the gas cylinders were. And they said that based on our animated, similar, our visual investigation, we have concluded that, yes, Syria did it. Now, it got awkward for them because not long after that is when the OPCW leaks came out, which showed that actual scientists, not digital Sherlock's like Bellingcat and the New York Times, uh, who investigated Duma, uh, found that this was not a chemical attack by the Syrian government, but that this was likely staged by rebels on the ground. And... Um, of course, ever since the OPCW leaks came out, the New York Times has never reckoned with them, never acknowledged them, and uh, had no shame about working with Bellingcat in that Duma investigation because they've done it again now to, to catch the leaker. So it's really been a odd display to witness. and um, But I guess it's just par for the course. It, it's just par for the course. It's what we're used to in this era, in this era where... It's basically considered normal opposed people who disclose state secrets like Edward Snowden and Julian Assange and to cheer for their arrest. And that's pretty much uh, what has happened here. So we, uh, we learn something about our democratic society every week, and it's quite the sight to see. Okay, let's take some calls. Gator, you are first. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Hi there. I'm good. I'm just using essentially as far as you comfortable with that. 
You know, Gator, you're you're cutting in and out for me. I don't know how it is for other people, but it's been cutting in and out. Let me check to see what the chat is saying. Um, Can you hear me okay? Now? Yeah, someone else in the chat is saying that they can't hear you. So, Gator, why don't you disconnect and then, and then come back in, okay? All right, let's go to Wiley for now. Hello, Wiley. And, Wiley, if you're there, there is a mute button. No? Okay. Let's try Ian. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Hey, hi there. Is my audio doing okay? Your audio's good, yes. Great. So, just a really simple thought, but I'm sure you probably also saw this. I think it was either the, the State Department or the White House press pool that were like being, um, I guess, very fixated on the issue of information security and how to prevent leaks. And uh, just putting that in the context with, uh, you know, the kind of snitch behavior, I guess you could say. In in my mind, I just started to think about what is the implication that if they're like doing stuff like this, does that mean that any leak that is published by the New York Times or the Washington Post we should be assumed to be officially vetted? Like this is not this is coming from official channels because otherwise they would have turned the person in, you know? Well, that's a great question because you know, if you look at now the reporting that's being done on the leaks, like just today in the Washington Post, there's some article about how there's one leak document that says that the Russians are successfully hiding their online trolls and bragging about it, which seems to be such a response to the Twitter files, which expose that, like, you know, these claims that Russian bots are flooding the Internet were just concocted um, and, and lacked evidence. And so now we get this article in the Washington Post. It's like the top of the post today. Let me read the headline to you. Uh, it says... It says, it's just loading for me, but it's really, um, it's really interesting. It's like, like the leaks now that do, that are coming out in the times and posts like this do seem like they are being vetted. And it's like the, these, these papers are only reporting what, what, uh, their U S intelligence sources want them to. And they're all very self-serving. Yeah. So for, okay, so here it is. Here it is. It's called Russians boasted. That just one percent of fake social profiles are caught. Leak show. Uh, so basically, now the, the leak documents are telling us that the Russians are bragging behind the scenes about how effective they are in hiding themselves and spreading their propaganda on social media. So what's that going to do? That's going to fuel calls for more online policing, and uh, it's going to try to bolster people who are who are trying to fearmonger about the threat of Russian bots and, and trolls. And uh, there's even a article in NBC News the other day uh, that basically said that this is going to bolster calls for increased censorship of social media. Um, let me find that headline. Uh, but go ahead. While I do that, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It kind of brings to mind, I guess, kind of, I think a little bit about the Guccifer 2.0 leaks and how they were piggybacking on WikiLeaks to kind of. I guess, take the bite out of them or sort of read or like the, the RNC leaks that were trying to kind of redirect 
um, the attention away from like uh, WikiLeaks is DNC leaks. Um, and I almost wonder if part one of these batches of documents was legit and but the one they're reporting on now is kind of somebody kind of snuck some other stuff in and kind yeah. of to the source. I think that's quite possible. I think that's quite possible. Yeah. The headline from NBC was U.S. intel agencies may change how they monitor social media chat rooms after missing leaked U.S. documents for weeks. So basically, Oof. this is going to be a call for increased government monitoring of, of uh, social media. You know, of course. Man. Ugh. Well, that's all I had to say, but uh, thanks, Aaron. Um, keep up what you're doing. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for calling. Okay. Will. Did you see that um, on, on bellingcat.com, they completely censored the documents, even on the public channels, like, like on the 4chan archive that they were using, they completely censored the documents so you cannot see them. Oh, that was, yes, that was so funny. So, and, and Michael Tracy <laughs> pointed this out. They're basically, if you look at it, you, this was, thanks for reminding me of that. It was so funny. So if, if you look at the Bellingcat website and how they reported on the leak, when they posted pictures of the leaks, like the screenshots of the printouts of the documents, they blurred them all out as if they was like, it was, and as, as my, and Michael Tracy joked, as if it was like pornography, like forbidden pornography that we're not allowed to see. Like what kind of a journalism outlet blurs out leaked documents? It's so and, no, and these are like public on 4chan. If you go to yeah, like archives.moe, right, you can see these for yourself. It's not like a top secret thing anymore. Well, it was, but you, we all know how that of went. Course. And, and of course. Eric, of Tol- course. Eric, Eric Toller and his friend at the Washington Post will lead these kids into, into um, doxing their friend as well as... Yes, that's right. Um, that's right. So, so, so they initially <laughs> named somebody... Who was not the leaker, right? And and they suspected him of being the leaker in the Minecraft server. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Eric Toller Bellingcat said that he the reason he was blurring out the images is because he said he didn't want the FBI knocking on his door, as if the FBI is going to go knock on the door of someone on social media who posts pictures of publicly disclosed documents. It's like you know, and you know, as I joke, the only reason the FBI or another U.S. intelligence agency would knock on the door of Bellingcat would be to tell them where their next round of funding is coming from. <laughs> um, but he, they, he made this kid's friend, like, and I'm assuming they got all the documents from these kids because um, yeah. Washington Post, they're like, and New York Times, they're reporting on non-public stuff. But it's, um, they basically just bullied these kids into ratting out their friend and doxing him as well as, um, you know, giving out the documents. It's like, so be it. That's... It really, it really is ridiculous. It's, it's such a, um, you know, and I have, I haven't looked into that part. So, um, but I will. So you, so you're saying that like, without their prodding, this guy might not have snitched on his friend. Why? Well, I mean, it was, um, to my understanding, like, they went around asking members of this Discord server, and one of them was underage, and they had to get the parents' permission to comment to the Washington Post. So I, I right. would I, bullying on my part. Maybe that's a strong term to use. Maybe that's yeah. like a bit too assertive. And I do not have proof of that. You're right, 
Um, but but it seems like like why why would the, why would he rat out his friend? Because you know if you're friends with this guy, why would you want him to get in trouble? And they identified him. So and like yeah. they have videos yeah. of being like um, racial slurs and stuff. Like like yeah. how would you get those? Yeah. It's really uh, it's ridiculous and. Um... And this kid, the way he's being portrayed, I mean, everyone's talking about his motives. He wanted to impress his friends. But, I mean, even if that's true, like, you never know if that's, like, we have no idea, actually, what someone is motivated by until they say so themselves, you know. And um, already he's being dismissed. And, of course, like, I I think, uh, like, some people are calling him, like, far right or something like that. And um, I don't know much about him. And to me, it doesn't really even matter, you know, who he is individually. It's about what the contents of the documents say that's what's in the public interest and that's what that's what of course gets ignored here unless there are documents that are convenient to the proxy war narrative in, in which case those get attention yeah but i was just mentioning bellingcat and washington post new york times just awful conduct um it's just yeah, shocking. It, it really is but honestly i'm not shocked anymore at all uh thank you will for the call okay Pseudonym. Hey, Aaron. Good evening. Good evening. Um, so I just wanted to say uh, right at the bat, this isn't the main point I want to make, but um, I, I strongly s- suspect the guy might be a patsy. Um, I, I don't think the story really adds up as, as it's been presented. Um, and... Um, the main thing though I wanted to to mention is that I was watching the Pentagon press conference from like a day or two ago and um, the spokesperson, another one of these um, uh, generals was, I forget his name. He was um, um, saying that the documents are still technically classified. And so he won't comment on what's, you know, still classified documents. Um, and it made me remember that, um, I believe um, with the Pentagon Papers, the way the documents were officially declassified was that Mike Gravel in the Senate read the documents into the congressional record. Um, so it would seem like a good idea to try to find representation who would um, do such a thing in this case as well. Um, so that was the, the main thought I wanted to share. Um, I also had some thoughts about Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is one of the reasons why I think it's uh, a patsy. I don't think Greene is the figure to read it into the congressional record. We should try to pressure her and, you know, put her to the test, I would say. But um, I kind of suspect, I've I've come increasingly to suspect Marjorie Taylor Greene as a kind of, um, her her anti-war positioning as a kind of figuration of, or a ploy of counterintelligence in terms of trying to stink up the anti-war nest. Um, so like her uh, commenting on the guy being white and male and Christian and stuff, like he's some aggrieved, you know, oppressed, you know, majority figure. Um, it's kind of, kind of absurd, but there's this, you know, politics of resentment that it plays into. Um, but that that became a framing device in all the media coverage, and, and it's her tagging of the guy in that way that's actually being used, I think, in some sense to uh, seemingly 
you know, not not rationally, not convincingly, but seemingly substantiate the claim against him that he's a white supremacist. I have not yet seen any other, any evidence for that assertion, but um, maybe he said some things. I mean, I think, you know, he's a 21 year old. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, a, you know, not a very mature person. Um, but yeah, those are the, those are the thoughts. I've yeah. Had. You know, on that point, um, on that point, I remember whenever Snowden, um, you know, surfaced, I remember there was immediately an effort to uh, demonize him and, and they came up with some comments he had made at some online chat room like years before. And that was like done in the service to paint him as like whatever, uh, um, you know, uh, like uh, in some sort of negative way. So, of course, there will be a similar effort here. And, you know, and maybe this guy does. You know, I have no idea, you know, but uh, to me, again, the issue is it's never about the individual. It's about what they reveal. I agree, um, but we should try to get that information more into the public light by having someone read it into the congressional record. I think that should be a sort of uh, focus of um, of coverage in terms of uh, kind of left critique about how to advance our uh, interest in trying to you know force the government to to shift course. Um, because That's a good um, idea. yeah, having the information more in circulation is is going to help us in that respect. I believe. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks for the call. Take care. Bye. All right. Jose Vega. How you doing? Howdy, Aaron. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. All right. Awesome. It's been an exciting week. Um, you know, we're always, every every week, I think the dynamic of the country and the relationships between people and everything is changing. And uh, with these leaks and this guy getting arrested and going to jail... One of my thoughts was that this leak, as, as somebody earlier pointed out very smartly about the Guccifer 2 stuff, that was that was a very good comparison because, uh, you know, we've seen the government try and kind of switch leaks that are going to come out and redirect them into this conversation of this is exactly what we want the public to know, make it seem like they're insiders. And we see that happening today because you have all the Seymour Hersh stuff Right. And you have the fact that Bakhmut is about to fall and you have that the war in Ukraine is, well, we're we're losing it. And then you have the Chinese that are brokering peace in the Middle East. And then you have France and Macron saying, well, maybe we should move away from the United States. I thought these leaks were kind of just an attempt to saturate the conversation with that, to keep distracting the public with with, with more and more leaks so that they can't really distinguish one from the other. So they'll stick to their trusted sources, the Washington Post, so on and so forth, especially with Seymour Hersh's latest, you know, that Zelensky and his cronies are embezzling money. There's no way they can continue to ignore this. And so they had to put on a big spectacle. As for the kid, I really don't know. I don't know. I don't care what his intentions are. I'm, I'm just like you. I think the fact that this is out there, if what's in the, the leaks are true, is out there, then that's that's a good thing. And it doesn't really matter why he put it out there. But I don't know. Those, those are my thoughts. Um, and other than that, I don't know if you saw myself and Diane yell at Masha Gessen. Um, <laughs> and we brought up Seymour Hirsch to her face asking, why aren't you talking about this? So that's, that's oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. So um, how'd that go? Oh, it was great. Uh, it was Masha Gessen and it was David Remnick. 
the editor of the New Yorker. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was the real end. It was like somebody from MSNBC and the event was titled what we wish we knew. And the, these were all, it was centered around the Ukrainian war, what we wish we knew before the invasion. That, that was basically the subject. And they were all going about how, oh, in 1996, I was in Russia and I should have seen this happening all the way back then. And then Diane stands up and says, you know, do you know how stupid we look to the rest of the world right now? I mean, you're talking about journalism, but Julian Assange is in prison and has been for four years. And they were hosting this event on the, on the fourth anniversary of him being in prison. Um, and so she just keeps going and, and you, know, get, you know, giving people like a briefing about how China's breaking peace in the Middle East and we all look ridiculous, you know, in the pompacity. They tell her to sit down. I stand up and I said, hey, where's Seymour Hirsch? And then I point to Masha Gessler and I say, why do we have this CIA acid Vivian Goldman wannabe here instead of Seymour Hirsch? Here's a question. Did we blow up the Nord Stream or not? Shouldn't we be investigating that and talking about it? And then they dismissed that. They didn't want to talk about it. They, they, they dragged me out. And uh, Masha Gessen was sitting to my left. Um, they were one of the speakers, of course, but we were kind of on a bit of a time crunch. So you can just see her face. She kind of like smugly looks at me. And then when I say Seymour Hersh, she looks away with a laugh. So that's how that went. Huh. Interesting. All right. How um, Good to hear from you. Thanks for calling. All right. Fuck. Hello, I read something interesting the other day that said Jack Texaria exposed Biden illegally putting U.S. troops in Ukraine without congressional authorization per the War Powers Resolution of 1973, which is an impeachable offense. And so he, in that silver lining, may end up stopping World War III in that way. And I was wondering if you had any more information on that or have heard anything. Uh, well, I know, I mean, it's been disclosed before that there are U.S. troops on the ground and supposedly they're there to, like, monitor uh, the the delivery of, of weapons and there were special forces. And, you know, you are allowed to send some troops uh, as long as you brief Congress under whatever covert activities laws. So um, I don't know about the impeachable offense stuff. Uh, I mean, certainly uh, it shows that there is a U.S. military presence there, and but whether that's impeachable, I don't, I don't know. know. I suffer. I doubt it. There's always the laptop. <laughs> take care. Thanks again. All right, take care. Okay, Andrew. Hello, Aaron. Um, maybe I haven't been following the leak story close enough, but I'm finding basic facts about the story to to elude me. Hmm. Like just um, what is the full scope of the leak in terms of just numbers of documents and do we know if any of these new york news organizations has claimed to have unearthed the totality of them or the all of the reporting to me has seemed to be very cherry-picked and it, it just is that just me or am i am i missing something uh what's your question well has any outlet claimed it Find, have found the totality of these leaks, and do we know what the actual scope of them is, just in terms of the sheer uh, well, number you of know, documents? You know, the, um, the the Washington Post seemed to suggest that they had obtained a brand new batch that other people didn't get. So I don't know what that means. Um, and are they ref- like 
and they said they said it was from the Discord server, which I I find hard to believe because if they got it, how come no one else got it? But um, so I don't know. That's a good question. I, I, I don't have an answer. If they had an exclusivity deal or something, it just seems weird to me not to say that they have this many documents. You know what I mean? There's no meta reporting on the story. It's it's all specific individual tidbits that they pick out about China and Taiwan or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I definitely. I definitely think it's very weird. Absolutely. Yeah, I wonder if that obfuscation is intentional for some reason. Anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was just what do you think about the leaks in terms of should anything be made of them in terms of how the war is going? Or is that just something that uh, – not even how it's going, but just how it's playing out uh, in reality compared to how it's being portrayed to have been played out in America by people like Lloyd Austin? Do you think – they're significant in that sense, or is that just something that's too technical or not uh, concrete enough to say that they're lying to uh, committees and things when they say how the war is going? Well, um, you know, that's up to interpretation, I guess. I mean, yeah, the, the, the few things I've seen definitely, I mean, there, there was one article in the post that noted that like, um, there was a huge gap between what the administration was saying about Ukraine's uh, casualty levels and their overall preparedness for a spring offensive and the reality. Um, And yeah, I mean, is Lloyd Austin misleading Congress? Yes, obviously. I mean, that's his job. And I think, um, I think that's, you know, that, that to me is like, like he'd be doing that no matter what, you know? Um, But uh, yeah, in terms of like, um, huge explosive revelations on that front. I mean, look, I mean, all of us from the outside have been saying that Ukraine can't sustain this war, that their victory last fall in Kharkiv was not sustainable. And that's what these documents say too, you know? So um, there's really nothing to me that's, that wasn't already publicly known. It's just interesting that U.S. intelligence is confirming it and we're not hearing about it, except, yeah, so except, except they're a leak. That's the thing that kind of infuriates me is that there's not like a real concrete smoking gun piece of evidence that you can say, see, they know this or they knew this and then they represented it differently to Congress. It just doesn't seem like there's anything there particularly. But the, the last thing I'll say, two, two sentences if I make, Katie Porter was on Bill Maher and she suggested that the actual problem was that the FBI didn't have basically unfettered access to Discord and all of these spaces to prevent this from happening. When, when, the, when the question was brought up, like, how did this happen? That was her answer. Was essentially that they, you know, don't have. That's why it happened. <laughs> they, they yeah. need. She didn't say they need more access, but she suggested that at least that was the problem. So interesting that that's again a progressive coming along and saying stuff like this. Uh, well, fair enough. It's it's quite the story, and and I and you raise a lot of questions that uh, hopefully we'll find out about more. But it is. The fact that the Washington Post gets all these new documents and no one else does, just, that is very weird. It's very, very yeah. weird. Thank you for all your right. time, Aaron. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, Gator, we'll try with you again. Hey, Aaron, is that any better? Yeah, that is. Look, to cut to the chase, I don't see why people are entertaining this idea that this is even an organic setup and leak. Uh, there's a term for this. It's called a limited hangout. Are you familiar with that? Uh, yes, I am. I certainly am. Yeah, I mean, okay, so good. I mean, look, this is the way I look at it. The where, where Greenwald is talking about how the press is interacting and also comments about uh, 
about the supposed leaker. I agree with all of that, but that's not the level that a limited hangout starts. It starts higher than that. So if you look at the, the docs, they, the docs may be true, um, real, but the content may or may not be true as other Intel professionals have pointed out. And um, obviously the question of like, well, how exactly did this leaker get access to stuff that's way above top secret? And again, there's big questions over that. So if it's in the, in the terms of a limited hangout, I see this running in parallel with the Cy Hirsch Nord Stream stuff, but they're not the same thing. So this is basically the, the, the limited hangout that allows the US government to begin to spin um, an exit strategy and cut Ukraine off basically, because they have now pointed out that the Ukraine is essentially an unreliable partner who cannot um, basically win militarily and um, is corrupt as, as buggery, right? And um, amongst all of the other things that, that this admits, um, but it could be used as a um, demand or justification for, for a last final spending splurge of the remaining military budget to try to compensate for this failing air defense shield, for example. But even after that, it's still a way to exit, exit the narrative and basically cut off Ukraine. Um, but at the same time, in parallel, um, well, another thing to consider is the FBI's modus operandi. Could people will ask me would ask, obviously, well, how can how can they have pinned this on Jack Teixeira? Well, that's pretty easy. The FBI does this all the time in domestic terror plots by inventing a, um, a threat, a, a plot, finding it, finding a patsy, and then essentially putting the patsy into a position. And you could do that easily through the mechanisms of the CIA and everybody else. In, in dumping something into a skiff that some somebody you know is is unreliable gets a handle on that's not that hard to do and there are people already entertaining that idea um but then if you look at this in parallel with Nord Stream Nord Stream if you take Cy Hirsch's reporting as as accurate and, and a tr from a trustworthy source I would position that as some people in the administration who don't like the way the war's running is un are undermining the, the, the administration's position and putting them under pressure on the Nord Stream narrative via Hirsch. And that's playing out like a poker game. If you look at the way Hirsch is revealing bits of stuff that he's got, adding credibility, adding backstory and slowly forcing a move of the Nord Stream narrative because the US is having to admit now it's state backed. It was a Ukrainian operation, which basically says it's Ukraine did it. And actually, because they're our proxy, we did it, like it or not, there's nothing you can do about that, which is a demonstration of true power, but is also damaging for EU relations. And I think that's one side of the operation. But this other side, the limited hangout, comes from the US administration because it needs um, a way to manage and exit and, and ameliorate the situation that it can't win. And that's And those two things run together in parallel, I think. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you, Gator, for the call. Henry. Hi, Aaron. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I'll be quick. I, I have just two things. Um, so have you ever heard of Operation Mincemeat? Um, that was uh, a PSYOP that was used back in, I can't remember the year, but it was uh, World War II. They used basically a dead body, a cadaver and loaded it up with all kinds of intelligence and dumped it off the coast of, uh, I think, uh, somewhere outside of a neutral country or, or a country that hadn't entered the war yet, maybe it was Spain. Anyway, and they transferred that that information over to the Germans. It heavily influenced their decision-making. I think this is kind of similar. 
to that, of course, without the dead body. Um, and then the other question I had for you was, did you get a chance to look at that uh, that video about the Nord Stream that I had sent you last week and mentioned? Oh, uh, no, I have not seen the, the video. Sorry, it was a busy week. And um, uh, I'm sure <laughs> I don't get, I don't I don't understand the like, can you explain to me how this pertains to that dumping the body story? I don't get so it. So they, they, they used uh, they, kind of like a patsy, but, you know, this person was dead. It was a, a tramp that had I don't know. They had, really know if they um, ever defined his history or who he was, but um, they used a lot of um, intelligence that was real, that was that was obviously true intelligence for um, they, to convince the Germans that, you know, everything else that they, they had put together for this backstory and, and all the fake intelligence that they put on him would be all uh, actionable and, and they would influence their decision making. And it worked. So I, I said last week I thought that this was kind of like a psyop, um, and I still kind of th think that. Interesting. Well, look, I mean, this is the kind of speculation that, you know, it's totally fair to speculate. I don't do it, but it's totally fair to speculate. <laughs> uh, thanks for yeah. the call. I mean, well, obviously some of it is is real, but how? Like like another caller said a moment ago, we haven't all seen all the documents, so we don't know the extent of what was all released through Discord That's over true. a course of a couple months. Um, that is true. That is true. So, how much of it is real? How much of it isn't? You know, interesting. But anyway, that's thank a you. Fair question. That's a fair question. Thanks, Henry. Thank you. Okay, uh, Johnny. Hey, Aaron. How you doing? Uh, good. Good. Thanks for having us. The late night calling. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, have you seen anything about in, uh, increasing noise about Polish involvement? It's getting a little bit weird. Uh, Polish, Polish involvement. In yeah, Polish involvement, Polish involvement in, in the war. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Polish involvement. The the ambassador said some weird stuff. Zelensky was kind of very complimentary, saying, "You know, you guys have been shoulder to shoulder with him with us." And I do wonder if that hints at what Doug McGregor has been saying, which is, you know, at least ten thousand is the number he threw out. At least ten thousand Polish troops in eastern Ukraine. Um, you know, this this think tanker starting to float this idea of, you know, re rekindling the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth. I mean, really just goofy stuff that you see from these think tankers. But, you know, they get these ideas in in their heads and they have, you know, the ear of people in power and they that's how these ridiculous plans get hatched, right? Uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how this stuff comes to fruition, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. It's all true. I don't know if you knew anything further on that or, uh, you know, had anything on that one. I just, I, you know, it's just like, how can we make this whole situation worse, you know? Uh, all good questions. All good questions. Yeah. All right. I'll all right, let Johnny. you go. Thanks, Thanks man. For... Okay, Phil. Hey, how you doing? Uh, listen, good. I missed the beginning here, but I just had a quick uh, question to see if you'd seen this. Uh, uh, did you see this article or this push by uh, Wall Street Journal on this uh, blogger, Donbash Devushka, <laughs> and kind of basically doxing this woman? Uh, but it came out of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. And fundamentally intimating that somehow she, she was part of this uh, leak process beyond uh, or beyond just uh, – Posting, and I, yeah, the uh, the uh, your the, reactions. I mean, the, it was, yeah, it's vicious. 
The headline is a social media account overseen by former Navy non-commissioned officer helps spread secrets. An American administrator of the Donbass Girl Blogger Network uses a pro-Russian persona across online platforms. And yeah, um, I've heard of this account called Donbass Javushka. I think I even, they have a podcast or something or I don't know. Uh, but I've definitely heard of them. I, I think I, I think I, I even follow them on Twitter. She's but I think Twitter, I follow them on, on, yeah. on Telegram. I think she's on. Uh, but uh, but just what was interesting to me was the uh, uh, why go hard on this uh, on this particular one? You know, <laughs> is it yeah. a makeup for the NAFO uh, 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 Vasquez things <laughs> or, or what? You know, it's just very strange. Uh, anyway, that's 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 all I was. <laughs> Uh, trying to get a reaction on that. Well, fair enough. Yeah, I, I'll have to look into that. Um, and I'll, I'll be curious to see what, what Don Bas Debushka has to say about all this. It's interesting. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, there's a, there's a long history of, of uh, you know, uh, like people being accused of being Russian trolls, and it turns out to be a complete scam, you know? so. Uh, well, it's a long article in Nexta, which is, I'm sure... <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're pushing it. They're all right. trolls. I mean, what right. the... <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Okay, all right. thanks for calling. Thanks. Yeah, Sterling. Hey, Aaron. It was so good to see you vacationing with your family on Twitter. Did you have a good time? It looked like it. I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. it we did. Went. It looked like fun. Um, and it looked yeah. beautiful out there. Good pictures. So anyway, this whole thing that's been going on reminded me of a book I read in the 90s called Cyberpunks. And it was such a great book. And I really, really admired a lot of these kids. But it was about like 14-year-old kids all over the world and how the Pentagon was freaking out because of their, the, just the capabilities they had as far as hacking. And it's a really, really good book. Um and anyway, they would raid these kids' homes and thinking, or they'd raid these people's homes like the first couple of times and realize that they were kids. And their parents were like answering the door. The FBI is coming in to just totally raid the house. Well, anyway, they arrest these kids. They threaten them within an inch of their lives and force them to come, basically force them to work for the Pentagon. And so there's a bunch of kids working there. So when they showed that kid on television being interviewed, I thought, oh my gosh, this could easily be one of these Pentagon kids. And it's, it was just a fascinating book. They're basically kids that were like hanging out in like their dark room and they just didn't leave for days and their parents didn't know what the hell was going on with them and they just ate junk food. And they're really brilliant. And the Pentagon needed to hire them because they're that good. Some of these kids are that good and that hasn't changed anywhere around the world. So I don't know. I just don't trust anything that comes out of our government right now. So immediately, I think my immediate go-to is you've got to be going, you've got to be kidding. And like Glenn Greenwald was saying, the theater of it all was so ridiculous anymore. You do feel like we are in some kind of 1984 dystopian, just, I don't even, we, how long have we been saying this? Like, how could, can this get any crazier? I mean, you know, Seeing journalists cheer oh. and assist in jailing a leaker is just unbelievable. Oh. And there's that clip, you know, I, Glenn put this together on a show. There's that clip uh, of journalists basically demanding the Pentagon tell them, like, how they're going to stop these leaks uh, from, from happening in the future. Here, here's a little Journalists doing it. Yeah, here it is. 
came to light. What steps has DOD taken to reduce the number of people who have access to not only these classified briefings, but the classified material in general? But you are taking steps to tighten that, I guess, population who might have access to this level of information. General Ryder, you say that there are strict protocols in place, and yet a 21-year-old airman was able to access some of the nation's top secrets. How did this happen, and isn't this a massive security breach? What is your message to anyone who might be thinking of leaking these kind of documents in the future? Can you tell us, where are there less people who have access to this type of information today than there were a week ago? To follow on that, these documents were available long before April 5th and 6th. So what took so long for <laughs> DOD and the intelligence communities to, to locate these documents? Are you going to release this airman's service record? What technologies is the Pentagon applying right now to both spot leaked documents online and track potential indicators of leaking type practices? Do you plan to be investing in more? Given the gravity of the situation, are you actively paring down the distribution list now? Is this a, a process that's moving quickly? Or is it going to, to take time for there to be meaningful, substantive changes to the distribution? And then is DOD or has DOD taken additional measures to restrict the access to classified information of others in the Massachusetts Air National Guard? So, I mean, and it goes on. There's more examples of that, um, of uh, these journalists acting like the superior officers, like demanding an explanation. <laughs> And demand to know how they're going to stop this from happening again. It's so frightening. And you just look at these people and I'm like, I, I just can't believe they, that they can do it even. That they can't see how they're not journalists anymore and, or that they just don't even care. I mean, yeah. ugh. anyway, thank, like I would say, thank, thank goodness for you guys. Have a great night. We'll Thanks, talk Shirley. to you guys tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Okay, Nick. Hi there. Can you hear me fine? Yes, we can. Well, I just want to thank you for all your hard work towards uh, truth and journalism. Thank and you. Uh, the, uh, some of the leaks that have been di uh, distributed uh, involve uh, FISA court deliberations and uh, the CIA. So sounds uh, a, a lot higher than military, like sounds like Office of National Intelligence. So... Sounds highly preposterous, but uh, once again, thanks for all your hard work. I appreciate that. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. And it looks like our queue is pretty empty, so if there are any more callers, you should jump in now. Otherwise, we will wrap it up. And um, I'll be back here tomorrow with Katie Halper doing Useful Idiots. Uh, that's at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday morning. And there's also before that on YouTube, the useful idiots Monday morning uh, live show at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, okay. Fox is back again. Go ahead. Without revealing like too much, I'm just kind of curious as to what kind of information was leaked. It seems like it's mostly just kind of sensitive war information, like kind of sensitive stuff that, uh, normally be you know censored for war purposes and it's not really anything of moral value if i'm correct uh well no there was some uh stuff that's a you know there was for example i mentioned earlier there were leaks showing that the u.s government was assessing that ukraine's military was in serious trouble that they were having a very hard time sustaining themselves and 
that calls into question the, the claims that Ukraine's about to launch this counteroffensive and has the equipment for it. Um, so I do think that there was some, some important stuff in there. Okay, uh, next caller is R. Hello? Hello. Yeah, hi, uh, Aaron. I just had a brief suggestion that um, with Seymour Hirsch being called a, uh, a blogger by, uh, by the mainstream media, perhaps we can call um, reporters in the uh, mainstream media blobbers. <laughs> That's a good idea. I like it. I'm a, I love a good play on words, and uh, especially if it's like funny and and disparaging towards uh, you know corporate yeah. media stenographers. So I like it. So blobbers, I, I like it. That's good. Yeah, blabbing I'm, blobbers, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. I'm okay. gonna use that. Thank oh you. yeah, go ahead, please. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Thanks Thank so much. Work, Aaron. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pseudonym. Pseudonymous. Uh, yeah, I wanted to just. Uh, uh, Contributed um, one other thing that I had in mind. Um, uh, so I've done a fair bit of research on like the, the the history of the CIA, and it's it's interesting. There's actually like you know a pretty substantial critical historiography, and yeah. if you know it, you tend to you know relate to news coverage pretty differently than people who were more naive about you know, the realities of, of psychological, um, the scale, the scale and, and variety of different sort of propaganda, psychological operations that the CIA has been documented, you know, exposed as having um, um, undertaken over, you know, the decades. Um, and um, the way the, the press covers things so naively now, basically just accepting anything the government puts out uncritically, um, which, you know, I mean, it's just, it's as if counterintelligence doesn't exist, you know? Um, but in the case of the Ukraine war, if you've been listening to people like the Duran, you know, Alexander Mercurius does these daily videos covering the, the situation in the war, uh, or Colonel McGregor or Ritter or, um, you know, a whole, a whole host of other figures too. Um, if you listen to them, I mean, the information that's been exposed, I mean, my understanding, like, uh, again, like the, it's, it's, was one caller commented earlier, it's kind of, um, there's a real vagueness in terms of a lot of the coverage about this leak, because the actual um, documentation has not been sort of collated and presented in a way where people can access it as like a, a particular archive, you know? Um and so there's a lack of there's a lack of focus and there's a lot of crosstalk and things are getting lost. But it seemed to me that the most critical fact that was exposed was uh, casualty ratios um, between the two armies in a way that, you know, showed the Ukrainians unable to win the war. Um, and therefore, the prolongation of the war is just, you know, um, perpetuating a terrible humanitarian catastrophe. Um, and. Um, that's not been a focus of the, the coverage. In fact, actually the, the one, it was the one data point that was, um, insistently, uh, rejected in a lot of the initial coverage. Um, there were, there were claims, uh, from a number of outlets that, 
um, those figures had been altered from the actual real documents. So the, there was an acknowledgement that the documents were real, but there was um, uh, resistance, particularly on that point. Um, and um, maybe maybe it was changed. I mean, it's 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 possible. I just don't take it. You know, I just don't believe it when it's said. Um, and uh, if the documents are real and um, it's not even surprising to someone like me because I have been listening to Mercurius and McGregor and uh, I mean, particularly those two um, about the military situation. And um, so, you know, open source evidence is actually, you know, in a, some, in a substantive sense, um, just as discrediting of Washington. Um, so the fact that this is classified uh, can almost be a misdirection, you know, um, we know from just reports on the ground that are, you know, getting out through organic ways um, that this war is not really going very well for Ukraine uh, at this point. And um, the Washington narrative doesn't honestly reflect that. And uh, the, the value of the, having it, though, in Washington's own documentation is that it, it shows that you have uh, known, knowing lying going on in high circles. So it should have more force in discrediting um, the people at the top. But there, again, I mean, there, there's very little sign that there will be any, any real accountability. I think it's a sort of managed um, situation. Here, here. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, thanks for the call. All right. Take care. Take care. Dan, go ahead. Uh, hello, am I on? Yeah, you're on. Oh, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I, I just had a question about the uh, the uh, the Twitter files uh, fiasco recently. I know that's not really the subject of the room, but you know, I was wondering if you uh, if you had a, a thought on this one. And uh, this one specifically is the uh, the Mehdi Hassan calling out the uh, that Matt Taibbi mistake about the uh, the 22 million labeled tweets. Now, I think like uh, from what I'm hearing from everybody, it sounds like uh, the feelings in general is that like either this wasn't really a mistake or it wasn't really a big deal. And my thing is like if if that was a mistake, it does kind of sound like a big deal to me. Like that's that, that's that's a pretty important fact, and I can't really figure it out. I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but I'm just wondering because like I feel like the first time I just started disregarding mainstream media was around Benghazi and it was like a similar thing where you'd, be, you'd read like news sources and you couldn't figure out, is this a big deal or not, right? It's like, yeah, there's okay. no yeah, way yeah, to get okay. context yeah. for it. Yeah, okay. So look, um, when I saw this attempted correction from Mehdi Hassan, I had never even heard of this 22 million figure before. That's because the Twitter files in Matt's threads are like hundreds of tweets. So Matt revealed so much stuff and this one claim about these groups flagging 22 million tweets uh, was, it, it was so unremarkable to me that I, I didn't even remember it. So even if the correction is correct, that it wasn't actually 22 million tweets that were flagged, I, I, I don't see why, how that does anything to discredit the reporting or it's a big deal because the reporting is about the government censoring factual information and, and you know, intelligence front groups censoring factual information that they knew to be false. 
And them not getting a figure wrong about how many tweets they flagged doesn't impact that at all. So even if the correction is correct, I don't think it's a big deal. And as for the question of whether it is correct, I mean, there's I've seen the counter arguments like somebody argued that, no, it was correct because uh, basically there were like, you know, uh, maybe 3,000 categories of tweets that were flags. But within those categories, there were tens of thousands of tweets that were flagged. And that all added, added up to 22 million. And I didn't like do the math. I didn't like go. But it's like, because to me, it just doesn't really matter. Um, we're talking about one figure in like hundreds and hundreds of disclosures via the Twitter files. So to me, this was Mehdi and his team of producers doing all they could to find any factual error. And obviously the fact that they can only come up with like three and one of them was like an acronym that Matt got an acronym wrong. Uh, like he wrote CIS instead of CISA, like who cares? But people, only people who care are people who don't want to pay attention to the substance of the reporting that he did. Okay. I got you. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I mean, I, I figured it was, it was just like a context issue that we're talking about here. So yeah. Uh, if you, watch, if you watch the interview, look, like Matt's not like that's not his style to do this kind of like combative, you know, interrogation, you know, like and if you're if you're going up against someone like Mehdi, you have to like not be polite. And Matt's really polite because Mehdi's an asshole and he'll enter. And if you watch it, he just interrupts constantly. And, you know, Matt could have told him, like, stop interrupting. You know, like if you're if you have, him, have me on to interview me, you should actually interview me. And but that because because Matty doesn't want to do that he wanted to score points and basically try to discredit what Matt did which I thought was so sleazy and uh, dishonest and the one time when Matt did like sort of call Matty out he pointed out that like Matty said nothing he pointed out that like MSNBC pushed the Hunter Biden laptop story Matty you know cowered away he said oh I never said anything about the Hunter story but that was a lie because he has said stuff about it so Matty actually told a, a falsehood in his attempt to discredit Matt. And then he also, you know, like when Matt pointed out that MSNBC pushed Russiagate, Mehdi said, oh, I wasn't here for that. So Mehdi couldn't defend that either. And yet he's trying to lecture Matt about, like, reporting. So I thought all that was really ridiculous. Yeah. Um, thanks, Dan, for the call. Yeah. Uh, Joshua, go ahead. Hey, am I here? Yes, you're here. Hey, so I just I'm I'm trying not to laugh when we call it a hacktivist leak because I don't really consider the kid maybe a hacktivist, and yeah. uh, I found it funny that one of the uh, the the keywords that they searched for was leak to find him. Um, I'm just wondering if they ever have any plumbing problems on the base, so that must get kind of crazy for him. But I was curious, it might just be like fundraising tactics for cybersecurity companies like CrowdStrike. So I was wondering if you were going to maybe uh, talk to CrowdStrike about the tools, tactics, and procedures and potential attribution that we could get for this hacktivist. Um, and I'm speaking somewhat tongue-in-cheek based on your Yes, I know. Because, yes, because CrowdStrike's track record is, 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 not, is obviously not so stellar when it comes to identifying hackers. Um, that's a good suggestion. I'm sure CrowdStrike will find a, will find a way to capitalize off this. That's... They've done, they have really blown up since 2016. When, and for those that don't know, CrowdStrike was the Democratic Party contractor that claimed Russia hacked the DNC. And that allegation basically kicked off Russiagate. And CrowdStrike has done very well ever since. They've been rewarded for their services. 
Yes, and and so has the other one that I think that uh, I'm not sure if Google has bought uh, the other one from the right wing, more of the minority report version of the uh, intelligence apparatus. I can't remember the name uh, right now. It's escaping me. But uh, what is also funny to me is all of this just kind of confirms there's new information, confirms everything we've already been talking about. So it's like not. I do feel like it might just be like them trying to have a graceless exit. Like that's all we know how to do is graceless exits. Um, yep. After we really don't like the ROI or the TCO of the decisions we make regarding, you know, funding, well, well Nazis. Um, yep. so it, it's, it's fun times in the, in the, in America. So you guys have a good night. You too. You too. Thanks for the call. Okay. Last caller. Sahant. Oh, hi, Aaron. Thanks for taking my um, sure. I wanted to, somewhat of an uh, unrelated topic maybe, but uh, I wanted to take um, hear your take on the recent development on the uh, Twitter files and how things have gone with, um, you know, Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi. I know you've uh, mentioned in the past that you've recently been involved uh, with that as well, You're trying to help, you know, as Matt had been looking for other uh, journalists to help him out. Um, so just wanted to see what the future of that is or just what your take is on, on the whole thing. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that the legacy of that kind of is getting a little smeared here. Yeah, well, so for those yeah. who don't know, uh, Elon basically cut Matt off because Matt wouldn't leave Substack, where Matt has like a huge audience and has built a huge platform. And, you know, um, he likes working with Substack and he has no reason to leave it. And Elon... For some reason, it appears based on like the the chats that he that he himself released publicly because he screenshotted his text with Matt and released them. It appears that Elon was like got freaked out that Substack was a threat to Twitter, which is so ridiculous. Like, yeah, it, it made me. I, I don't know what's going on with him. Anyway, so because Matt wouldn't leave Substack, <laughs> Elon cut him off from the Twitter files. So um, it's. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's weird, and it, I don't know. Like, I mean. But it's not like this is the first kind of like bizarre behavior by Elon Musk. So um, I guess yeah, I he's pretty erratic. He's pretty erratic, sure. and he's like, yeah. and when you're that wealthy, I guess like you don't, you don't even listen. Like like you just can't listen rationally, or or at least it's a lot easier to not listen rationally and to think rationally because you can do whatever you want because you're a, a ruler of the world. Um, mm-hmm. So, but whether it taints the Twitter files, I mean, look to me, the Twitter files speak for themselves. Like the you know. Those disclosures are factual; they're in the public record. And you know, I, I, even though I, you know, I can't begin to explain Elon's conduct. I, I think uh, the Twitter files were a public service, uh, and um, you know, it's just unfortunate that he he decided to throw under the bus the reporter who did so much work in getting them out. I mean, Matt worked a lot on that story, and. Um, whether there will be more, I don't. I I, I can't say right now, unfortunately. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think it's I think it's kind of up in the air, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. All right. Have a good day. You too. Uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in and called in. I really appreciate you joining me, and have a great rest of your day. I'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>